So the question is, why do we call this podcast series Small Business Leadership? Why didn't we call it just leadership? Why are we actually referencing the fact that this is about small business? So by implication, that means that there must be a difference between perhaps personal leadership, small business leadership, big business leadership, that context matters. And that's really what this is about, is about the context. And from my experience, having started RaceCorp as a one-man band to where it is today, I found that every single new employee was something I'd never led before. In other words, when I had one employee, that was the biggest business I'd ever run on my own. When I had two, that was the biggest. When I had three, that was the biggest. And as the business grows, the dynamics in the business grow. Teams form. Inter-team conflict forms. Interpersonal conflict forms. Then you start to grow into different regions and you have to manage and lead communication differently. And so the structure of the business as it evolves requires you as entrepreneur to be evolving as a leader and a manager throughout the journey of the business. Where I am now, some 20 odd years later, is a very different leader to who I was when I started RaceCorp. Where I am now, 20 odd years later, is a different leader because I have to be a different leader because the context demands that of me. I'm Gareth Armstrong, and you're listening to a Razor's Edge podcast. This series is all about leading a small business as it grows, the nuance, the detail, and even sometimes a little bit of magic dust that gets things moving in the right direction. You've just heard the voice of Alon Reyes, CEO of RaceCorp, and our guide during this important conversation. This is an introductory episode where Alon helps us to do three things. Number one, reorientate ourselves away from general leadership guidance and advice towards a much more specific way of thinking about what we do within our businesses each day. Number two, triangulate the current position of our business as well as ourselves as leaders of our businesses. And number three, he shares three guiding thoughts that set the stage for the episodes that are to follow in the series. So, without further ado, let's get back to discussing the importance of context. I'm going to use a very cliched example, which is used very often to describe the importance of context as a leader. And that is Winston Churchill. Before and after World War II, arguably a very weak leader. During World War II, a very strong leader. The context of the World War, the context of being at war, was where this man shone as a leader. But without that wartime leadership crisis and requirement, Winston Churchill was not appropriate. So there are two ways to think about that. The one way to think about it is that as entrepreneurs, we are always in a wartime crisis. It feels like that all the time. And so you have to have a wartime leadership style as a startup entrepreneur. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of information that's unclear and gray. And you have to be making decisions and leading people through the fog of uncertainty to a place which is not even that clear to you. You have to lead people to a place that... You believe deep down inside, but also have incredible self-doubt as to whether you are indeed capable of taking people there. 
And so you have to fake it till you make it. You have to come to work on days where you feel completely empty inside and feel, quite frankly, like a fraud and then put on a smile and carry on leading as if you know exactly what is going on. And in a bigger organization, that's generally not the case. Generally, the vision is a lot clearer. Generally, there is a lot more self-belief because there's some tenure and some proof that you're capable. And so there's a lot more self-belief that you can actually do what you say you can do. And so I'd say the hardest part of being a leader in a small business is the first year. Would you say that's a fairly accurate description of where you are at at the moment? That you're making decisions in what sometimes feels like a chaotic environment with information that doesn't feel complete? Perhaps the fog of uncertainty is clouding your own ability to see the vision of what your business needs to become. If yes, don't worry, you're actually in good company. This is quite normal, even though it appears as though everyone around you has all their ducks in a row. And I think the reason for the first year being so hard is because everyone has got eyes on you. Yourself, most importantly, with all your doubt that runs around your mind. Your family and friends who are watching and probably applauding you and you're feeling a little bit under pressure that you need to perform because everyone's expecting you to do well. Your staff who have probably come into your business at a much lower salary than they might have got elsewhere and are hoping that they made the right choice. Your clients who are taking a chance on you as a startup business and giving you a leg up and hoping that they won't be embarrassed for doing so. So there's a huge amount of pressure on you as both an entrepreneur and as a leader at that time. I think when you get to your second year, that anniversary is quite a significant anniversary. It's almost I survived year one. You feel like you need to wear a T-shirt. You see this with entrepreneurs who, when they're in their second year, will say we're two years old. They don't like to say that they're you know, one year and one month old. They're in their second year because tenure communicates to the market and to potential employees that you have survived and that there's proof of concept and you have got a high probability of succeeding than if you weren't at the one-year mark. And the same thing goes for the second year and the third year and so on. So tenure is always a proxy for this thing is working at some subconscious levels, both to the market, to employees, and of course to you yourself, that you keep saying, I'm still here, I'm still fighting on, I'm still kicking, and I'm still working this out. Let's now consider those three areas that we can use to further orientate ourselves, but that also introduce the general focus areas of this podcast series. Here's the first. But as I said earlier, that when you're in your third year or fourth year, you're dealing with completely different leadership issues than you were dealing with in your first year. You also are dealing with new management issues. So even though the series is called Small Business Leadership, it could equally be called Small Business Leadership and Management because your management requirement changes over time. I'm managing one person. I'm managing one department. I'm managing two departments. I'm managing one branch. I'm managing three branches. 
I'm managing one country, I'm managing three countries, I'm managing one product, I'm managing 10 products, I'm managing one product category, I'm managing three product categories. And so as the business grows and becomes more complex, what you're managing and leading changes. Where would you say you are in your leadership and management journey? It's essential that we identify this as accurately as possible. No wishful thinking. Because this is going to help us equip ourselves for what is next. Speaking of next, here's the second area we need to be thinking carefully about. And then there is a very interesting thing, I think, that happens in a small business. In the, in the beginning, you're pretty much focused on your own growth, your own journey, your own story. And if you've got a view of competition, it's very much a David Goliath kind of mindset. The, those guys are the big guys and you're probably making the same mistake many small businesses out there are making is you're going out to get business by saying, look, we're cheaper than the big guys and uh, we've got a better turnaround time than the big guys and we give you better personal service. That's a classical why the small businesses try to glean market share. But at some point, you are out there with another three or four-year-old business who's the same size as you, has been in the market for the same amount of time, is not a Goliath. And now you have to deal with a competitor that is in a way on the same unequal footing as you are, who is also competing with price personal service, quick turnaround. I see so many entrepreneurs mortified by the realization that they are not the only David in town, so to speak, that there are two or 10 or 20 other Davids as they now start to understand the market better and start to realize how competitive that market is. And then that demands another type of leadership. It demands a leadership of yourself to manage what's going on in your mind, but it also means leading the business to compete strategically for the first time. Why I say this is leading strategically for the first time is because even though you might have had a strategy before, the strategy very often is quite a conceptual thing. It's about how we're going to get market share, this notion of market share 1% or 5% or just survive year one, we want to make a million rand or a million dollars or whatever the case may be. So these are not really strategies. But then when you're in your race and right next to you, you see the horse right next to you running a alongside you, and now all of a sudden becomes real. And now it becomes pretty much about how do I beat the, the, the guy on my left and the, the gal on my right. And now for the first time, you are bringing your team in to say, right, there is a new mortal enemy in town and it's X and now it's about how do we beat X. And that X is the David, the other David, your first David, so to speak. And all of a sudden, the Goliaths gray out from your strategy and now it's about beating them. And suddenly, leadership becomes strategy rich. That moment very few people talk about and it happens in almost every small business that I've come across. As Alon said it, did you cringe? Have you fallen into that trap? Price, turnaround time and personal service? 
If yes, well then there's an opportunity. It's time to become strategic in our approach to competition and our markets. Fortunately, Elon is going to address this in much more detail in future episodes. Here's the third focus of the series. And then, many years later, as the business has grown, there comes a point where you reach what I call the Bermuda Triangle moment. And the Bermuda Triangle is a point where you are still much smaller than the big corporates and are paying less than the corporates who you constantly are competing for skills for. But your business demands the same level of skills that the corporates demand. And so now a smaller business is competing with a bigger business. And you find that people who have been in your organization who have reached the top are now seeking more growth, better money, and are starting now to evaporate into this Bermuda Triangle where they are sucked into the corporate environment. And there's ironically a huge loss of skills at this point in the business, in a time where you need the most skills. That requires another type of leadership. How do you lead a business that is hemorrhaging skills and cannot compete with corporates to bring in those skills? These are three big questions we need to be asking ourselves on an ongoing basis. So far, even this introductory podcast has provided excellent food for thought, and I'm really looking forward to the coming episodes. Here's a final word from Alon before we part company. So this is the first episode of this podcast where I've tried to give context to leadership in a small business as it is different to leading a large corporate. There are specific nuances and experiences a small business entrepreneur has that requires a different set of leadership skills to a person running a large corporate. So this series is about you as an entrepreneurial leader who might be dealing with a leadership crisis or problem at a particular point in your entrepreneurial journey. I'm hoping that the series will give you insights on how to think about those crises in a different way and and give you tools to overcome those. As always, I'm going to try and keep the learning in this podcast series practical and applicable. Head over to raisecorp.com where you'll find similar resources and also the opportunity to sign up for notifications to stay updated on the next podcast release. Alternatively, follow RaceCorp on your favorite social media platforms where you'll find updates on podcasts, videos that are released, events, and more. My name is Gareth Armstrong, and I'll see you in the next episode.